Hey everyone, this is Dr. James Spencer and welcome to Useful to God. We're continuing our 30 Days in the Gospels Challenge. Remember that you can download a reading guide and find other resources for spiritual growth at usefultogod.com. In this episode, we're going to be studying the Doubting Thomas passage in John 20. And this passage ties into a broader theme within the Gospel of John about belief and believing. And as such, we're going to start with a discussion of the signs Jesus performs and the nature of belief in John's Gospel. So after cleansing the temple, the Jews come to Jesus to ask, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus is going to respond by saying that when this temple is destroyed, Jesus will raise it up in three days. And John tells us that Jesus is really referring to his own body. And in this brief account, Jesus symbolically condemns the current temple, which has become a house of trade, and takes its place so that he is now the locus of God's presence among the people. Instead of going to the temple, he's telling the Jews that they need to come to him. And here, Jesus does not perform any particular miracle, but points forward toward the resurrection and the crucifixion. The request for a sign to justify his actions with regard to the temple marks out an important theme in the Gospel of John. Jesus offers or is asked to offer signs so that one group or another may believe. And in this case, Jesus' response to the Jews inspires the belief of the disciples when they recall Jesus' words post-resurrection. Yet many others don't believe Jesus. So the signs in John's Gospels demonstrate a spectrum of belief. There are those who, like the disciples, see the signs of Jesus, follow him, and deepen their faith. Through the signs and Jesus' other works and teachings, they come to know Jesus as the Son of God who reflects the Father in the world. There's also a group who seem to believe the signs but never really develop beyond a faith that no longer requires those signs. And we likely see this in John 6. Jesus has fed the crowd who continue to follow him. He recognizes, however, that they are following him because they have been fed and not out of some deep commitment as the disciples have. As such, when he gives the hard teaching that they will have to eat his flesh and drink his blood, many stop following him. Still others, despite the signs, refuse to believe in Jesus. For instance, consider the interchange between Jesus and the Jews after Jesus tells them that he and the Father are one. John 10, 31 through 32 read, The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? He goes on to challenge the Jews in verses 37 and 38, saying, If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. This interchange with the Jews highlights the function of the signs and works of Jesus. They're to point to who Jesus is. And Jesus' challenge to the Jews is to believe because of the works, or at the very least, to believe in the works so that they do not close themselves off to all that he's doing. The signs are an important aspect of John's gospel because they reflect Jesus' identity. The signs legitimize Jesus' claims and teachings, and they point beyond themselves to the Savior who brings life to the world. While the disciples saw the signs and believed in Jesus, there were many who saw the signs and still did not believe. The signs were not ambiguous, but many were still not convinced. So John links the people's unbelief to the fulfillment of Isaiah 53.1. And in the context, Isaiah 53.1 should probably be read in continuity with the previous chapter, Isaiah 52.13-15. Describe God's servant as unattractive. He's lacking in the sort of power and position that would have been anticipated. 
the servant comes in weakness and, as Isaiah 53.12 notes, will achieve victory through death. It is this situation that Isaiah 53.1 addresses. Many who hear this portrayal of the servant find it unbelievable. And John identifies Jesus as this servant. And despite the signs he's performed, he's not meeting the expectations of the people. And as such, they could not believe and instead become like those to whom Isaiah prophesied. They do not have eyes capable of seeing Jesus, nor do they have soft hearts prepared to accept him. So the signs were compelling, yet not sufficient in many cases to convince those who saw them that Jesus was who he claimed to be. They do not see beyond the signs to recognize the glory of God reflected in the person of Jesus. The association of glory with the signs and with Jesus has been fairly common throughout the Gospel of John. John's comment about Isaiah seeing the glory of the Lord in verse 41 sets up the final comment regarding those among the religious leaders who believed to Jesus. Again, we see that the signs produce a spectrum of belief. Here, the leaders who believe do not confess. Presumably, they do not confess because they have not seen God's glory as Isaiah did. Isaiah speaks because he saw God's glory, whereas those who saw Jesus' signs and don't confess choose the glory that comes from man over the glory that comes from God. They see the signs and believe in some sense, but they do not recognize the glory of God displayed in the life and work of Jesus. As such, they content themselves with the honors bestowed by men in the synagogues and miss out on the riches that would have inevitably been theirs had they devoted themselves to pursuing the glory of God. So with this background in mind, we now turn to the interaction between Thomas and Jesus in John 20. First, we're told that Jesus appeared to all the disciples except Thomas while they were waiting together in a locked room. And Jesus shows the disciples his hand and side, and then gives them a simple task, which is recorded in verse 21. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. The disciples cannot remain in a locked room forever. Instead, having been given the Holy Spirit, they are to go out into the world and continue Jesus' work. When Thomas rejoins the disciples, they tell him that Jesus appeared to them. Thomas, however, refuses to believe, noting, Unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas does not require a sign, but he does demand a tangible experience with the risen Christ. He's unwilling to accept the word of the other disciples as compelling evidence of Jesus' resurrection. So when Jesus returns eight days later, Thomas has his chance. Jesus tells Thomas to come to him and get the evidence he requires, urging him not to disbelieve, but to believe. Thomas's confession of my Lord and my God sums up a number of themes in the Gospel of John. Throughout the Gospel, Jesus has told his disciples that he and his Father are one. John has proclaimed that the Word was what God was in the prologue. As such, Thomas's confession reflects the theology of the book as a whole. Jesus is Lord and God. As profound as Thomas's confession is, Jesus doesn't acknowledge it without qualification. Thomas had to see Jesus to believe. Hearing the report of his fellow disciples was insufficient, yet Jesus will not appear to everyone. Many will need to believe based on hearing the message alone. As such, Jesus proclaims in verse 29, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The Doubting Thomas narrative and Jesus' final words concerning those who have not seen yet believe are likely intended to underscore the purpose of John's gospel that follows in 20, 30, and 31. In these verses, John notes, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, 
and that by believing you may have life in his name. Those who read John's gospel will not have the benefit of seeing Jesus. They won't see the resurrected Christ as Thomas did. Yet those who read John's gospel still have the opportunity to believe by reading about all the signs Jesus did and learning about his teaching. As those who have not had an opportunity to see Jesus, we are numbered among the blessed who have not seen and yet believe. If you've already accepted Christ, the Gospel of John can be an ongoing source of encouragement that will strengthen your faith. If you have not accepted Christ, the Gospel of John will show you who Jesus is and the means by which you can find eternal life in his name. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Useful to God. Tomorrow we will introduce the Gospel of Matthew. If you've fallen behind on the reading guide available at usefultogod.com, tomorrow's a catch-up day. Remember that you can access the reading guide for the 30 Days in the Gospels Challenge, as well as other resources for spiritual growth at usefultogod.com. Blessings.